The Love Life Podcast. Hey folks, welcome to The Love Life. I'm Annie Lavin. And I'm Tracy Clifford. And thank you so much for choosing this podcast to listen to. Today, we're going to talk about toxic love. And every time I say the word toxic love, I have Jason Derulo's savage love in my head. So if I'm going to do that to you right now, I do apologise, but it's like, Savage love, toxic love. Anyway, we're talking about all things toxic in relationships. Annie Lavin is the relationship coach and she knows all of the stuff. We're going to get through it today here uh, on the Love Life podcast. Annie, toxic love. You hear about it so often when you read about it. Um, celebrity relationships mm. could be described as toxic. You know, in Tewi when yeah, they're fighting all the time. And But what is, what, let's break it down. What is toxic love? Layman's terms, toxic love is extreme highs and extreme lows and generally lots of stress, actually. Lots of drama, lots of stress. They're the kinds of ways in which I would hear people describe relationships that are really unhealthy, essentially. So roller coasters of emotions. You don't know where you stand. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, you do not know where you stand. You generally are in this place of kind of waiting to hear from them and not knowing your next move. And, and um, there's a lot of inconsistencies. Okay, so let's break mm. it down. Toxic love and a toxic person. Um, is that a fuckboy? Or a woman, you know, like, mm. you know, person we're talking about. I think it could be. But I also think that toxic love is almost on a spectrum. You know, it almost runs from the, you know, the buzzword that we've mentioned before. But it's not only a buzzword. It's a really serious situation when someone's involved in a narcissistically abusive relationship. That could be at one end. And I mean, the fuckboy could be at the other end. And every other variation in between, you know, of inconsistencies that you could potentially have um, in a relationship with somebody who maybe just isn't making uh, it clear how they feel about you or... Maybe and we're hanging on accepting the crumbs. Yeah, you're hanging on accepting breadcrumbs. Exactly. When you said there, the dictionary definition of toxic love, where it's like extreme highs and extreme lows. Uh, in the dating world, when you are mad about somebody, you do accept the crumbs sometimes when you're mad about somebody. Um, what does that say about the person accepting the crumbs? Oh gosh, when I think back to those occasions where I would have been accepting crumbs, I think of a person who was pretty low in self-esteem, low self-worth, um, not really knowing my own value, you know, like not really knowing that um, I deserved so much more. So I think it's kind of an indicator for, um, yeah, just, just, just not realising that you don't have to put up with this, that better exists and that you're deserving of so much more. Sometimes it can also be reflective of what you may have accepted in your family of origin growing up. You know, that if you didn't realise that love could be this bountiful thing, you know, that, that really fills you up. Sometimes there can be links there, you know. You get a text, 10 to 2. Uh, are you out? Not in the year of the pandemic, but maybe in other times. Uh, are you out? And it's that text that you've been waiting for all week, even though... You've seen them on Instagram. They haven't replied to your text mm. and you get this high and then you just reply back because you're like, they've texted me. They have texted me. All is right with the world. And you have that high again. Like, show me a girl who doesn't text. <laughs> have we all, we're like, you know, when you're like delighted with your life that the person that you fancy has texted you, even though you know that they're probably 
not going to text again this time next mm. week. You know, is it a bad thing to accept that text and to, to answer that text and to get into a conversation with someone when you know, mm. when you know really deep down that they are this, this fuck boy? Yeah, I think I think I think it's a mirror, Tracy, isn't it? It's like it's it's a way of really reflecting back what you're accepting if you're replying to that meager little text that comes in at two a.m. Do you uh, not think? Yeah, like yeah. Mm. But I'd say that there's so many people in the population who are like, oh, I totally know how that feels. I know. I think for me, it was like it feels like the soundtrack to my almost a lot of my 20s actually you know yeah. it feels like I wonder is it even like part of growing up I wonder is accepting less than or shitty behavior in love is it part of our legacy of growing in love for ourselves almost you know because it is an act of love to sit in your hands and not reply to that text like, you know? <laughs> well there you go <laughs> sit in your hands don't reply to the text and it's an act of love for yourself Love it. Absolutely love it. Why are the toxic people in life, the fuckboys, and we mean in both sexes, so appealing? Is it because you, you want something that you know you possibly ultimately will never have properly? Yeah, it's like, it's a great question. I mean, this toxic love and these, we're referring to guys, but I mean, it could be, could be girls. It could be anyone. Um, emotional unavailability, you see, is something that comes to my mind as soon as I think of, of the majority of clients and also of my past. You know, when it came to accepting people who were emotionally unavailable, it was a real mirror to, to my own levels of availability in love. What does emotional unavailability mean and look like? Like, what is it? Is it, you know, is it a bad thing to be emotionally unavailable? Like, you know, maybe that's just how that person wants to be. Like, what's wrong with being emotionally unavailable? Is it the damage you're doing to other people? I guess if both people are emotionally unavailable and you're living life, excuse me, I think go for it. But it's very unfulfilling if you do it over a long period of time. What it looks like is... A lot of, again, inconsistencies, not really showing up for yourself or for the other person, struggling to really go deeper. So you'll probably have a very kind of a superficial type of a relationship where if there's anything sort of emotional that's being touched upon, both partners will probably just make jokes and it doesn't go any further. If there's any discussion that comes up about what we're doing, where we're going in relationship terms, again, it will probably... It might even upset the status quo because both people don't really want to connect on a deeper level. They're quite happy just to stay with things as they are in this kind of quite vague way. Is toxic, are toxic relationships just based on sex? They could be. I think, I think everybody kind of knows what, or if they don't know, it might be helpful for them to think about, well, what is my standard? What is my deal breaker here? So what, what does toxic love look like for me? Like for me personally, I would know that um, my kryptonite would have been unavailability in the past, but now that wouldn't even interest me. So if I met somebody who showed signs of being emotionally unavailable, it, it just wouldn't do it for me in the same way. So in the past, um, when I think back to, to emotional, emotionally unavailable partners, they were probably intriguing, but really what was happening, <laughs> Tracy's smiling and nodding here, <laughs> just so you all know I'm not alone. <laughs> <laughs> Rat's eggs. <laughs> That's me feeling insecure over here on my own. <laughs> but no, um, yeah, the emotionally unavailable thing. Yeah, it, it, it was kind of like 
there was something attractive and appealing about the, the, the guy who just didn't care, you know, because ultimately I didn't really want to be in a committed relationship. But I, of course, I didn't know that at the time. Mm. It was kind of a subconscious thing that was going on. So I think for those people who find themselves, oh, my God, why am I stuck repeating this pattern? Why am I constant, constantly going back to a situation that's just not satisfying for me? Consider like how available you really are. Consider what you really want in love. If you do want just this, then that's okay. You know, you make that deal with yourself. But my guess is, you, you, you know, I, I, I don't know too many people who are really up for this unfulfilling kind of not knowing where I stand sort of, I don't know, messing around kind of thing. Sounds quite stressful being yeah. in a relationship like that and not knowing where you stand. It doesn't sound like that. It is a comfortable feeling. No, it's not. And it's not good for your nervous system. Like your nervous system is going to be rattled all the time. You know, these big highs that we're talking about, the 2 a.m. text messages and then the lows, you know, that are that can be quite low. Because if you start to equate your value with the amount of attention this person is showing you, then I mean, your attention level or your your self-worth can be like right on the ground. Your self-confidence knocked for six You meet somebody and uh, they are everything that you have been going through on this podcast and it's you know they are toxic um mm. but you feel an immense chemistry and you can have this great chemistry with somebody and you may equate that for love like what is the difference between great chemistry and a great connection you can have chemistry with people who are not necessarily very very good for you so how do you spot that and how do you know what you were feeling. Mm. Well, these kind of toxic relationships are these ones that have these huge highs. There's generally like a pace that comes with them. Like they hit you hard, they hit you fast. Um, whereas real love, something that kind of has a more authentic feel to it, it's going to be more steady. It's going to grow slowly. And, you know, it, it might not necessarily have this magnetic feel to it in the same way that these toxic bonds can in fact you know a lot of them can be called we can refer to them as, as trauma bonds you know um it's when you can mistake abuse as love and it can be very hard to let that go um so people don't know what's happening you know um would that be a case of love bombing you know when in narcissistic uh, abuse mm -hmm. oh my god you're the greatest person i've ever met oh we should get married like seriously I'm in love with you right now and it's like constant mm. constant constant you've got great chemistry you're like oh this is just like it it was in the movies oh this is brilliant like you're shaking your head there and I go no 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 <laughs> yeah. but you can understand why a lot of people would fall for that oh yeah I mean that's the whole idea isn't it of love bombing you're actually bombed with these little tokens of what you deem as loving gestures but what are they really but what is the toxic person trying to achieve by doing that? Is it because they themselves are probably low self-esteem because they just want it reciprocated really fast? I mean, that is one that is that is one way to, to look at it. Um, I mean, I think the example of the big bunch of flowers that you often hear people receiving in a workplace, it's it's almost like showy offy, isn't it? Yes, yeah, the equivalent like of a dog cocking its leg against a tree, isn't it? <laughs> This is my patch, you know. It's like Ross out of Friends when he has the 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 barbershop quartet yeah. into Rachel's workplace on her first day at work. It's like that's my girlfriend, and she's just like, "What? 
get away, get away. It's like, this is, this is my, yeah. this is my girlfriend. This is my territory. My um, so when, when you, when, when you look at people like that, then how do you spot it though? When you're being love bombed mm. by somebody that could be quite toxic. Like, how do you know? Like, because if you're not in a relationship and you've been, you know, dating around for ages and you finally find someone that you feel you have a connection to, mm-hmm. you have to ask yourself whether it's great chemistry or whether it's a connection, mm-hmm. uh, whether it is a slow burner. But if somebody's giving you loads of attention and you are delighted with life, yeah, how do you spot that it's possibly not genuine? Yeah, you it's see, hard, isn't it? this is the bit, and this is the reason that I do the work that I do. It's preparing yourself in advance. You know, it, it's not that sexy to say I actually read a book on on red flags, but actually, that is you don't even have to do that. I do that work for you. But like the 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 love bombing, understanding that that is a term, even listening to this now and realizing, okay, this is part of what love bombing means. Um, it's it's like it's our responsibility to equip ourselves with a little bit of knowledge around what are red flags. You know, it's really important that you know some of them. I mean, another example would be like in a restaurant and taking account of how the person you're on a date with deals with other people. You know, like really pay attention to how much they actually hold respect for other people. How do they speak to you? You know, do they hold you with respect? How do they speak about their parents? That's always one for me. It's a good one. Yeah, how do they speak about the parents? How do they speak about their ex-girlfriends? I mean, nine times out of ten, if you're dealing with a really toxic partner, um, they'll probably have some tale of um, awfulness about their ex. They generally have that. And the majority of people who end up in abusive relationships, they will more times than not tell you that in the first date or two, the person will have had an instinct so try and really tap into your body when you're on a date, you know, really kind of tap into, does this feel safe? Um, am I getting signals that there's something off here? Um, and pay attention to that. Don't deny it because all of your friends might be telling you, oh, my God, he's so into you. Look, he did this. And there's the performative stuff. There's so much might performance. your friends. Yeah. And isn't it funny how sometimes our friends can have such an Im- you know, can hold such weight when it comes to unhealthy or well, any sort of relationship, but their commentary. Yeah. What do you think, Tracy? Uh, I think, I think you're right. I think you could tell your friends, oh, such and such did this. He brought me out for dinner. He did this, he did this. They're like, wow, oh my God, he sounds amazing. Yeah. And then you start doubting yourself being like, actually, that does happen. Amazing. And then, you know, you then you, you could spot that your friend could be in a relationship that isn't too great for her either. And you may not want to say anything because she seems happy and she hasn't been dating somebody for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we do have responsibility as friends to be honest, which is quite hard to do sometimes because you don't want to rain yes. on so You don't want to piss all over someone's parade. Yeah, it can be really hard to be honest. But it's, it's doing so in a way that's sensitive enough that, and knowing that you're doing it from a good place, you know, that you're yeah. not doing it from a, from a hateful pl- place, but... I know in the past I, I had to flag it to a friend that there was a situation she was in that just really did not seem healthy, you know, and and saying that was so hard. And I'd say as well, mm. if, if say, if you're single mm. and you're saying it to your friend, she seems like she has just started a new relationship and she's four months in, you could look like the jealous person that is yeah. not in a relationship. Yeah. It's like, could. oh, it's just Sarah Grapes. And you're like, no, 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 it's, no. I'm trying yeah. to look out for my friend here. Yeah, that that is the risk you have to take sometimes, I think, when you are being that radically honest. Um, 
But yeah, I do think we have a responsibility to kind of look out for our friends. And, you know, in... in, in Very hard, Annie. Oh, it is hard. I know. But like the, the other thing that, that, that evidence supports is that um, lots of people when they're in abusive relationships, narcissistically abusive relationships, that they can be isolated, they can become isolated. Mm. And it's important that friends don't form part of that isolation. You know, because let's say the abusive person is kind of trying to isolate their partner from their friends and the friends feel it. If you feel that one of your friends is in an unhealthy situation, do your best not to isolate yourself from them, even if the behavior might seem a little bit off at the moment. Great advice. Yeah, try and still just stay in touch in some small way. When you say emotionally unavailable and we're talking about toxic love and mm. it is the highs but then crushing lows yeah. and there's more lows than there is highs but you're trying to chase that high all the time. Is that abuse? Is that an abusive relationship? I know we talk about red flags and you spot them but is that would you class that as an abusive relationship? You're chasing highs and the partner is emotionally unavailable? Mm-hmm. No. No, I think it, it it may be a part of it may be a part of a narcissistic abusive relationship, but there, n- I I would think there would need to be maybe some more markers than just that because that to me would say okay, it's an emotionally unavailable relationship, and maybe that's making up um some form of maybe that's a part of the abuse, but um the abuse itself, uh, generally what you see when you're talking about narcissistic abusive relationships is there can be quite a lot of disrespect uh there can be a whole power play control um lots of put downs lots of people can come out of those relationships not knowing who they are it's toxic in the in the greatest sense of the word it's, the gr- it's on the, it's the on top that. scale of yeah. toxicity absolutely yeah wow the far end. you talked about trauma bonding i'm so interested in this when it comes to toxic love fuck boys fuck girls the whole lot of them um <laughs> trauma bonding when people talk about and we've touched on it the chemistry of meeting someone for the first time you have this electric feeling and you feel like this is a massive connection but it's mm. trauma bonding it, it, does it have to be something massively significant that happened in your childhood or mm. your um impression or version of relationships intimacy and love you know like it would that be like a parent that is disinterested or aloof or mm-hmm. not there it could be a parent who, who's emotionally unavailable themselves so this idea of somebody else being emotionally unavailable isn't new to you you know this feeling of having somebody out of reach that's actually quite familiar because perhaps your parents or caregivers just were not available for you in the way that you may have needed them to be so I mean that is not through any fault of their own it may have been handed down to them from you know their their parents um, it's not to throw anyone's parents under the bus, but it's important that you would recognise, you know, ha- am I coming with a little bit of neediness in my love, you know, for love? Am I feeling like I'm hungry for love because I haven't, I, I, I didn't receive it as a little one? And now it's my job as an adult to actually parent that inner child. So this is one of the ways that you can kind of protect yourself from falling into a relationship that can have the potential to be quite damaging for you. But mm. would that feeling not feel familiar? So then you think that is love. So that's yeah. the really difficult part of differentiating. That's exactly the it. feeling because you're like, oh, this is familiar. This is this is this is what I know. But it's actually yeah. not. It's trauma bonding. Yeah, it's I'm trauma fascinated bonding. by that. Annie. I know. I mean, fascinated. What's even more fascinating, Tracy, is that we can enter into them and want to correct it. You know, we want to correct the old pattern. So the old pattern is I was reaching and stretching and really wanting my mum or my dad to really see me, to really feel me, to 
give me the love that I never, never felt. And if you're now doing that in an adult intimate, romantic intimate relationship, the intention this time around can be that I'll get it right this time. So you can stay for, as you know, for, for some people, a lifetime. Or I'm going to fix him or her. <gasps> I am going to oh, fix this person. fixing one. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, the, oh, they're going to fall in love with me because he's been a fuckboy for years. But I'm the one. This yeah. is it. Yeah. You know, I actually, you know that movie with um, Reese Witherspoon? It's about the life of uh, Johnny Cash and his oh, wife. Oh, yeah, I love that. And like Johnny Cash is a mess. And yes. wasn't he? You know, he, June Carter with June really? Carter. Yes. Like I thought that movie gave a message of like, listen, marry the mad alcoholic person. <laughs> one day, one woman's going to come around here and fix him, oh. and you're going to be that. You can be that fixer. And I, I was like, oh, this message for me was was it was wrong when I was watching that movie. It's like it's like the fairy tale. It didn't show the hardship, and maybe they did yeah. fall in love. And I don't know the whole story between the two of them. I just know that Johnny Cash is great, and, yes. and, and she's great in the movie. And I'm only seeing the movie version of it all. But it was a real fairy tale of like he wasn't great to his first wife, or he was a bit of a man about town. He was an app like he he had massive problems with booze, mm. but then June came along and fixed him. And it's that whole fixer thing. It's like there, you could be that girl that fixes that broken person. Oh, so damaging. It, and that's that, that was the, mm. the message I took from that movie. Now, it's probably 20 years ago that movie was out, yeah. I'm not sure. But My memory's so bad. I that fixer, mm. is that a female thing where we think, oh, we're going to nurture this person to mm. give them the love they didn't get as a, as a kid. And yeah, I'm going to be the person be. that makes him the best and make him see that life is worth this, this and this. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, it could be like this idea that you're mentioning of, of, of we're saying women, but of course, it, you know, we see it commonly in women, the idea that we see potential in the other person, you know, and we're not really believing the, the truth of the person as they are. And if you're going into a relationship thinking you can change somebody, uh, yeah, try not to, mm. because you're probably going to be disappointed. You can't change anybody. No, they need to they need to want to change themselves. I mean, like you can lead by example, you change yourself through whatever, you know, you're doing meditation, you're doing yoga, whatever you're into and you love it. Great. You know, as an example, the other person could be like, oh, maybe I want a bit of that. But if you're saying to your partner, you should really do this. Now, I used to be I used to be that that person. Yeah, <laughs> there's boyfriends probably out there, ex-boyfriends going, oh, uh, oh. So I think everybody in a relationship is probably guilty of that. Mm. You know, it's but then is it is it not care and love and kind of go? Do you know? I saw this. This would be great. I think you'd be brilliant at this. And okay. see, I think that's the caretaker talking, and that's exactly kind of the question, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, do we move into caretaker mode? Mode. Is that a bit mammy mode. Yeah, it's like where's there room for desire there? Yeah. No, someone being mammyish to you. No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> No, thanks, Tracy. <laughs> but no, the caretaker role I think is interesting because again, come back to your childhood. Did you play a caretaker role there? You know, like we, we we talk about our parents and our caretakers. You know, they're the adults, aren't they? The people who kind of are the mature ones. But in lots of cases, no is the answer. You know, a lot of children actually played the role of parents long, long, long before they ever should have. So if you were one of those. Um, little people have you grown up into being an adult version of that and how is that working for you okay. there's a fantastic book um women who love too much did you ever read I've that heard of it. i've heard of it yeah 
Um, and is that about being the mammy and being yeah. this and this and this and loving love the potential, yeah. but obviously... Loving the potential. Loving yeah. the potential and, and and not really trusting and believing in in the person who's in front of you being strong enough to do as they choose and trusting that they are, mm. you know, and either taking them as they are or not, but trying to mold them into some version of what you'd like them to be. I've been that person before. Yeah. Yeah. Hasn't worked out, obviously. Yeah. But um, I think I did see potential in people. Mm. And maybe I wanted them to be like that for me rather yeah. than for them. I saw yes. that their life wasn't possibly, they weren't living their best life. Mm. Maybe they were happy out. Until, you know, yeah. when I look back at it now, it was like, you know, you should love somebody for who they are when you meet them, not for the potential that they could be. Yes. Because it's not going to work. Anything over 25, people are cooked. That's it. That's my that's my <laughs> advice to life. You're done. You're done. <laughs> yeah. 20, 25, you might, you might have a chance. Yeah. They say, what, 25, 26, your brain's fully developed. I think you're so done. forget it after Yeah, that. you're done. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 I, well, that's, listen, I don't have a degree in this. This is just <laughs> an ism no, of mine. I, I get what you're saying. It's like, just just don't, don't be kind of feeding into the belief that things are going to be different plus I also think you know when you're in that position of caretaker it totally takes the focus off you so when you're looking at the other person as being the in you know air quotes flawed person Mm -hmm. then there's no real room for people to look at us and say oh why are you so good at this stuff (laughs) like I'm sorry it's a Monday evening do you think as people are projecting then like what they don't like about themselves and trying to fix other people because they don't don't want to look internally at what they want to fix themselves inside. Well, it's a good distraction. God. But it's also a way of avoiding being vulnerable. You know, whilst we're so busy taking care of somebody else, we're not even allowing space to be taken care of, for someone to take care of us or for someone to kind of meet us where, like, this is where intimacy happens. And I think that's why a lot of people just struggle with intimacy because we don't really know how to do it so well so we just kind of use the blueprint that we learned from childhood and we continue to play that one out until uh lockdown happens and (laughs) some people (laughs) take time to reflect (laughs) yeah you know with toxic love Mm. and somebody that isn't great for you Mm. not giving you your needs and wants um isn't showing up isn't there for you yeah is there any hope or is it just you need to look after yourself? Look after you. Yeah. Look after you. What do you say then to people that say that the sex in a toxic relationship is the best sex they've ever had? Mm. Well, you see, it can be. I mean, these great highs that we speak about, a lot of the highs are what keep you there. You know, it's like this high once happened and I want to, I'm going to stay because I want to recreate that again. But what we find is as time passes, more time passes, those highs become less and less Mm. and there's more lows and there's more stress and not only you know is it a mental torture um for some people uh physically it also has damaging effects as well there's lots of evidence to support that so like listen to your body if you can to see like what is my how does my body feel around this person don't just rely on your head don't just rely on what um the external world or t- you know is telling you when people say to you I have butterflies is that a good thing oh I have butterflies and I meet them so you're going to say no to that yeah I I would be very 
skeptical when I hear really? this, the butterflies. Yeah. Like if you read anything on attachment theory, they talk about chemist this buzz, you know, or the butterflies. Um, and they say, actually, it can be like a, it can be an attachment wound or, a tr- you know, like it's a it's um it's a little trigger. Like sometimes when we have those butter, like we can call them butterflies, we can call them a response to somebody. It doesn't always mean it's positive, you know. Do you ever meet somebody and you just have this instant, you don't know what happened inside your body, but there's there's definitely some sort of a magnetic, magnetic pull. Sometimes if you follow that, you can discover that it's not always positive, mm. you know. But attachment theory is a really good, another another good place to kind of understand your attachment style in terms of where you feel most comfortable. Do you know, am I comfortable with intimacy? How comfortable am I with it? You know, how, how am I in terms of my expectations of other people? Who feels emotionally safe to be around? When you may have form of attracting people who are toxic, unavailable, you're chasing that chemistry between two people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've learned now uh, this evening that that is trauma bonding. What about when you are trying to work out whether a new person you were with and it's slow and steady, but you're not excited about it? Because you're just like, eh, there's no drama. It's actually, how how do you how do you navigate that? Well, I guess if you have done <clears throat> some work around discovering what you need in a relationship, you will be able to really value that in the other person. You'll be able to value their really, you know, good qualities. You'll know what it is that you really need rather than what you might want. So you might want the high because you've been you've been used to highs in the past. But what you really need is, let's say, security, consistency, reliability. That's what's good for my nervous system. So it's it's realizing that, you know. So, yeah, I've you know, I, 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 I've heard of people, you know, who start out in relationships and it's a little bit people can feel like they're missing out on the chemistry. Like, where's the buzz? Mm. But yeah. It, it can come down to they're staying for a reason. So there's something there's something pleasant about this relationship and to, to allow that little bit of space and to see if if the consistency and the, va- the availability can be built upon. So I know this episode is about toxic love and spotting the signs, but do you ever watch episodes of First Date and their dates and they're like, didn't feel the spark, I had no chemistry. And in the words of Moore Higgins, I had no fanny flutters. <laughs> you know... <laughs> Like, are you saying to give it another chance? And sometimes all of those chemical reactions and chemistry and those things that you're feeling Mm -hmm. may just be trauma bonds and just kind of to give things a little go to be sure, to be sure. (laughs) Give things a little chance. Yeah, I mean, like, give things a little chance to a point. Yes. I mean, I also know the challenge in finding your strong no as well. I used to struggle with that. I used to actually struggle with saying no and meaning it. Like I used to have a lot of these breakups that would be like on, off, on, off, because I found it so hard to say goodbye fully to somebody. Mm. Um, So finding, yeah, finding out what you really need in a relationship is so key to being able to treat other people with the kindness and the certainty, not only other people, but yourself as well, to realise what it is you do and you don't want. But it's funny you mentioned first dates because actually I give clients sometimes some homework if I want them to try and practice being more vulnerable 
It's so interesting. Do you watch the UK first dates? I watched all of the first all of them. dates. Yeah, me too. Canada, Australia, Can't get enough. Ireland, reruns. Oh, yeah. oh really? All of them. All I of them. Didn't know there was Canada, Australia. Yeah. Okay. Canada one's not great. No. 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 Okay. okay Australia's all right. But listen, England and Ireland, they're the best. They're the best ones, yeah. yeah. But what I noticed with the UK version is that they do vulnerability pretty well. Now, I don't know if the producers are kind of behind it telling them to be a little bit more vulnerable, but if you watch their first dates versus the the Irish one, like, they'd be talking about what's your favourite bag of crisps, you know? (laughs) Honestly, you've seen that one, haven't you? (laughs) Yeah, it's hilarious. (laughs) Like, what's your favourite bag of crisps? You know, come on. (laughs) Meanies. Sometimes skips. Listen, listen. I was, I, I, that's a question I probably, you'd probably like that question I, would you I probably would because I'd probably connect with the person because if they were teasing onion I'd be like see it next <laughs> do you know I love it well I, I do like a bit of like okay so if it was thrown in with lots of other stuff and it was funny I'm going to accept that guy and think oh yeah that's actually a laugh but if that is the height of the conversation the that we're going to have I probably will be checking out but if you want the UK version they are like they will get straight down to it. Like, yes, you know, do. like I want kids, and my last partner left me, <laughs> and I've I I'm now whatever forty four, yeah. and I want kids, and you're just like Jesus, relax. You haven't yeah. even had your drink yet. And you're like, and I I've looked at that before, been like, oh, that's a bit weird. Relax there, but they are being vulnerable. Yeah, they're, they're just being they're vulnerable. just telling the person who they are. Yeah, and this is who they are. Yeah, it's quite admirable. It is. It yeah. is. So if, if anybody is wondering how to do vulnerability, check out the UK version of First Dates. If you're on the dating scene right now and you're looking for a connection and you're looking at people who are on First Dates and say, I haven't, I didn't get a connection. But mm-hmm. you're, even though you spoke to the person for about two hours and had a nice dinner, you actually have connected. Yeah. But there may not be fanny flutters or that brilliant chemistry you might have experienced with the fuckboy who texts you only once a month. Yeah. So I was trying to differentiate between yeah. um, those feelings. Um, yeah, and to bring your head and your heart into it, we're not saying continue to date somebody that you don't feel ca- you don't you don't feel attracted exactly. to. No, like you can't continue to date somebody that you don't feel attracted to. I think that comes back then to knowing your body, knowing your knowing yourself, like yeah. knowing what you're looking for. But yeah, you don't have to. We're not saying you have to escape um, attraction. That you have to skip over that if somebody t- is treating you really well. But to maybe just not to not ignore it or pass it over so quickly because. Yeah, it could be. It could be that your body is so used to unavailability, or maybe you're not available at the moment. That too is a possibility. That's okay. So if you're turning down people who are available and who you are attracted to, um, yeah, take a look at that. If somebody's listened to this today and um, is in the middle of a toxic relationship, or with somebody who is emotionally unavailable, what would you say to that person who has been listening to this and has spotted signs of? Um, familiarity yeah I think to start with because I have you know I take the whole issue of narcissistic abuse really seriously if there's anybody listening who is on that end of the spectrum please seek out support you know you don't have to do it alone and seek the tailored support um women's aid they have um a 24-hour line we we link all of this excuse me um the rest of those people on, on the spectrum who were saying, you know, we'd identify as being toxic in toxic relationships. Do some work on yourself, you know, get to know yourself and um, see how fulfilled your life is. 
because for a lot of people creating drama in relationships I too was that person when I wasn't fulfilled in my life I created drama in my intimate relationships because it was where I was having the fun so is there like there's loads of other places you can be creative and have fun um I've learned but it, it certainly doesn't have to be in that that aspect of your life but it takes a little bit of work and discipline to break the pattern and break the habit so sit on your hands sit on your hands text. <laughs> text. <laughs> get a therapist okay get a coach do some internal work because like you know the outside stuff will take care of itself if you start to take care of the insights okay. you know it's 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 kind of I say that like it's simple it's not but start there at least okay. um, and get clear on what you want you know so if it's a long-term fling or you're you're kind of in that space where you don't want to be attached that's fine yeah. go with that but just don't bring yourself to the point of doing being in relationships that you know you know you're accepting breadcrumbs and you want the whole entire loaf <laughs> love yourself better if you notice oh shit I am this person I am accepting less okay. you know it's not impossible to change this pattern they are just patterns remember that um the high isn't love and anyone who's listening who's going through these kind of high low type relationships they 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 somewhere deep down they probably do know that but they're attached to the they're kind of it's addictive it's kind of an addictive quality to it all right Annie we have gone through brilliant stuff on toxic love I think um sit in your hands don't answer the text <laughs> And just be kind to yourself. Be honest with yourself. Annie, as usual, uh, thank you so much for giving us so much knowledge uh, on the love life. Nice one. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Love Life podcast with the relationship coach Annie Lavin and me, Tracy Clifford. As always, if you've enjoyed this episode and think a friend or a family member could benefit from hearing it, then please share this podcast. We'd also love you could take a minute to rate, review and or subscribe to the podcast as it really helps to spread the word and normalise how we can all struggle in love and how we're all not alone. If you've already done this, amazing. And thank you so much for your support. Talk to you soon.